Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to Courage in Action. I couldn't imagine a better way to begin 2022 than to reflect on who we are on the inside and to embody that in our lives every day and every moment. Very few of us do this as well as our guest today. Chrissy Hollis has faced some of life's most challenging circumstances to discover inner peace, connection with self, and very uniquely combine that with her financial acumen and expertise. I love this because the finance world traditionally has little to no space for spirituality. Despite that, today, Chrissy is a soul-centered CPA and CA who helps her clients discover prosperity within themselves and their cash flows. She joins us today to courageously share her story and her wisdom. Welcome, Chrissy. Hi, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm thrilled to have this chat with you, and I'm sure that many, many of our listeners are going to learn so much from you today. Um, And I know that you often talk about living from the inside out. Could you maybe start us off by explaining what that means from your perspective? From my perspective, living from the inside out is paying attention to what's going on on the inside. So we have this whole inner world that's happening that we've never been taught to pay attention to. And we've been taught to look to the outside for answers or actions or how to be and ignore this whole inside world. And it's not just paying attention to your thoughts. Mindset is very important, right? Mm -hmm. The thoughts to me are breadcrumbs. You need to go deeper. You need to bring them down into the body and then pay attention from there. So your body will respond to your thoughts, to suggestions, to the outside world. And it could respond in a tense, uh, tense way. So a resistance. So, you know, and then you ask, like, what is that about? And you work through what your body's responding to, to a place of more of a calm. So moving through whatever information your body is telling you, and then take action from that more calm space. I know that's quite of a detailed way to start, but basically in a nutshell, it's an embodying life. Okay. It's living from your body from the inside out. So it, it starts from what you said, it starts with sort of listening to yourself. But uh, I know from my experience anyway, like there's so many thoughts firing. Like how do you know which one you should sort of dive deeper on? Because many of them are just like, these random things. Random things and a lot on on repeat, right? So the numbers like 70,000 repetitive recycled Mm -hmm. thoughts from the day before something like that. Yeah. And, and those are, it's, it's to create space within them to get new thoughts, right? So it's not just maybe choosing a thought, maybe start with, because when we start paying intention, um, attention inside, 
things are quite a rat race up here in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of stepping back and observing the thoughts instead of immersing yourself in them or, or dwelling in them or trying to figure them out logically. You observe them and go, okay, I'm thinking this right now. And then bringing that down. Because once you observe one, then you can take that down into the body, right? Yes. And that's Instead getting to... There, which one should I choose? Just pick the one right in front of you right now and then and then bring it down. If, it, if it's multiple, then see if you can, you know, kind of just start observing each of them. And when there starts to create space, then you can bring them down in, right? Perfect. So the, that first step is actually connecting with who we truly are, which is that sort of consciousness that observes those thoughts. So as those thoughts are sort of flying, step number one, just observe those and then see where yourself really will take it from there. Right. So our thoughts, if, if we want to go there, our thoughts are, are coming from our unconscious mind. Yeah. Right? yeah. So to kind of I want to say disconnect from that, but also connect to that, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of running the hamster wheel of thoughts, you kind of want to step off the hamster wheel and observe the hamster wheel. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and just be like, oh, there I am running on this hamster wheel. Like, what does this mean? Right. <laughs> so, right. And then yeah. automatically you start detaching from the, I want to say the emotion to it. Mm -hmm. right Mm because when we get caught up in our thoughts then we're getting caught up in the drama of them too right oh yes yeah and and it's hard to land on what is which is one of my number one steps as well so stepping back and observing but what really is Mm. right like what is and then moving from there right so if we talk in terms of um finances the what is, is, well, this is what my numbers are saying right now. Right. right. Yeah. And moving within on the decision on how to move forward. And then once we get into my story, the grief, right. Mm-hmm. What, is, what is, well, I lost my baby boy. That is the, what is right. Mm-hmm. How from there, Right. So the hamster wheel might look like in grief. Well, you know, he'd be one right now. He'd be walking right now. He'd be talking right now. He'd be playing hockey. He'd be, you know, sticking mm. on that hamster wheel instead of going, oh, I have this thought of, yeah, he should be walking right now. And then bringing that down into the body and saying, what does the body want to move in terms of information right now, which comes in emotion, right? Yeah. That's incredible that you were able to do that throughout that. How, how did you get to that point where you could you know, work through the emotion um, and the grief that you were feeling to get to that point where you could uh, step back and observe what you were experiencing. So I'll step back a little bit and just kind of mm-hmm. share with the listeners that I, I was full term. I was eight and a half months pregnant with our firstborn right. and we, we lost him to a stillbirth. Mm-hmm. And I was at a space in my life where I was climbing the corporate ladder as a, as a CA at the time before it merged with CPA. Yeah. And, you know, I was in that go, go, go. Rat race. Right. Mm Rat race culture that we have. And I had been doing some, maybe a couple of years. I had found meditation. 
right? Mm, yeah. I was just like, I have everything on my happy list, but I'm still not happy. What, <laughs> what, yeah. is, like, what this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I did find meditation before I lost him, which I was a tool, right? That started the, the journey within. But I tell you that something instantly happened when um, the day that I lost him, I was actually pulled out of my body and I was observing from above everything that was happening. Wow. Right. Okay. Because I feel my soul protecting me from what was about to happen a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a spiritual experience in a sense, not to say that I enjoyed it because I did not. Right. No, like, of course a lot not. Of people, yeah. A lot of people shut themselves down when they talk about a spiritual awakening with grief because they're just like, well, spiritual awakening is a good thing. My grief is not right. Mm. It, it's, it's grief is hard and it hurts. And, um, so as I was going to the hospital, uh, cause I was just having pains. Like I thought they were like Braxton Hicks. They call them like fake. Yes. Contract. But yep. something told me to go in and as uh, close as I got to the hospital, the more I was like kind of disconnected and, and looking down. So, oh, so it the, happened on the way to the hospital. It started to yeah, it started, wow. I think it started subtly in the morning, but it was very noticeable to me the closer that, that my mm. husband and I got to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the room and the specialist looked at me and said, there's no heartbeat, I was not oh. in my body. I was, right. up, which is the introduction to the observer that we just talked about, right? Yes. Yeah. And that is a protector. It is a protector knowing what was coming almost. Yeah, it's like a protector. But also as I learn to have a relationship with this observer, it's also an invitation for new information, right? Mm -hmm. So for creativity, so not just um, cutting us off or protecting us from trauma, it is, it's, it's creating the space for new information to come in and, and something new to grow. So hence the spiritual wow. awakening, right? So like the right. The room for that spiritual awakening to come in and so I spent the night in the hospital and I was able to come home the next morning mm -hmm. and it was when I crossed the threshold of my home that I dropped back into my body wow and I fell to the floor like like the the news hit me right hit my right. physical body you truly and felt it for the first time Exactly. Yeah. And it was scary and it hurt, but all I knew what to do was just fall into it. Right. Yeah. Surrender to it, I guess would be a term that people could relate to. And my husband was so great. He would just be like, let it all out. Mm -hmm. And I would be wailing and it's not just your normal cry, right? Like sounds were coming out of me that I didn't know could come out of me. And that's then, a good thing though, right? Like it's a release, it is. isn't it? It yeah. is. And how often do we let ourselves do that, right? Release mm. till it's done. Because mm -hmm. every time I hit a wave like that, yes, it was scary because I wasn't used to going there. And it could get quite intense, but it always settled. It wow. always settled, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've been taught from such a young age to cut it off. Don't cry. You're going to be okay, right? Yeah. So control your emotions, you know, don't show them that sort of thing. Yeah. It's very suppressive. 
Yeah. So it was just kind of like this instinctual experience. And I just started embodying it intuitively, right? It's yeah. almost like I didn't have a choice. It was so intense. And also, if I step back again, when I was in the hospital, when I heard the news, I heard this whisper of like, you know, to face this head on, you have to go to the heart because the heart is broken and it's the only one that can tell you how to mend it. Wow. I was like, okay, like this is how we're going to do this. And it was so clear and so loud to me. And I remember my mom, you know, as moms, like they want to protect us. Right. Yeah. Especially from her. And the nursery was ready. I was eight months pregnant. Eight and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, you know, he was due, he was born November 14th and he was due December 3rd. Right. Wow. That's really close. Yeah. Really close. Uh And so she, the first thing she said, do you want me to go pack up the nursery? And before my mind could kick in, a no came out. Right. I need to do that because my heart knew that I had to go through that process. That process. Yeah. 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 Those whispers are everything. They are everything in terms of guiding your life and how to approach things. And they're never like do A or B. How you have to move through this experience will come from those whispers. Right. Small steps just mm-hmm. the next right step, right? Yes, yes. So you can think in terms of, you know, you know what else, what's coming back. I think we're going to go back and forth between finance. Yes, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you feel that, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with finances, right? Mm-hmm. People build these spending plans, these budgets, these financial cash flow systems, and they're great. And yes. I feel like they serve. But when you're, not taking the time to go within to hear those whispers on how to navigate through those systems, mm-hmm. then you fail or you think you fail, but it's yeah. not your fault because with anything, we have all this conditioning around it, right? We're conditioned on how to process grief. We're conditioned on how to deal with our money. And for everybody, it's different. Yes. So growing up, my parents didn't expose us to death so like when my grandfather passed when I was 11 he was like a best friend they never took me to the funeral because we don't expose children to those types of devastations ah okay okay so funerals are a great space to process Mm -hmm. you know they have so no one taught me how to deal with that grief at 11 years old right right yeah so and was, was your son the first time you actually yes. dealt with grief in a real way? Wow. In a real That's way. A huge yeah. challenge. Yeah. Huge challenge. So what that looked like, that one instance with my grandfather, a few months later, I went to, my parents sent me to a different school to learn French as we okay. live in a bilingual province. It's a smart thing to do. Absolutely. None of my friends went. So there's another grief. That's a different type of grief. Yeah. A loss. But they, yeah. they were, yeah, they were back to back. Mm-hmm. No one taught me how to deal with it. So what did my childhood look like? It looked oh. like drinking when I was 12 years old. It mm-hmm. looked like progressing into drugs and suicidal thoughts as a teenager, right? Yeah. That's nobody's fault. 
No. But I didn't know how to deal with all this turmoil inside and those things just numbed it, right? Mm-hmm. So when Carter, when I lost Carter, that's his name, by the way, when I lost oh, Carter, beautiful. Yeah. Um, it was just like this heart first, you're going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. like this, this unfolding and it was healing all these things that I had learned this conditioning, right? Yeah. And honestly, I walked away from my CPA for a while and just did grief recovery for people. And then I stepped back in and blended the two because I was like, they go together. Because Ah. like you mentioned, financial world is missing that spiritual piece. Got it. I was going to ask you how you brought these two together. That's right. So I went from one end of the spectrum to the other. So totally just the logic business driven side. Yeah. To just spiritual grief support and then it came together mm. and that's it, balance that's life balance right there it's balance because we have a relationship with money yes right yeah and we have conditioning and that conditioning comes from many different places it comes from for me my lens on conditioning is that we are born with a certain design to interact with the world right And in that are certain places that we're open to conditioning lenses. And that comes out with our behavior with money. And then there's the whole uh, generational trauma of money. So what did our parents Mm. go through, their parents? And, you know, I would go back probably seven generations. And what wasn't healed that I have an invitation to heal in this lifetime around the world? I've right? never thought of applying that to, to finances. Like you we're just, I think people are just starting to talk kind of mainstream about this sort of generational healing that needs to happen. And you think about emotional state and anxieties and all of these different things, but you never connect that to how we relate to money. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and when I started diving into this for myself, because mm-hmm. I had money patterns that were no matter what system I used, they crept back up and I was like, what the What's hell? Happening? Right? Yeah. And yeah. that's when I started mirroring the two, because I was like, oh, I'm going to take my, my grief, spiritual experience, and I'm going to apply it through the lens of money. And then that's when it just all of a sudden, yeah. right. And if I look at my generational um trauma with money you know like my dad comes from a 13 kid house the 13 kid family that lived in a two-bedroom house and their grandmother lived there too right you can just imagine the scarcity that was in that household right yeah and then if you step back to their parents it was the same thing right and on my mom's side the same when you look at her parents they come from big families that had you know the kids had to work to help with the household mm-hmm. so well like that's like I'm born with that like I'm already starting through that scarcity lens it's right? already part of your DNA yes right. and then there's our imprinting so our learning when we're growing up right so what do we see the people around us how do they deal with money mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we're not consciously knowing that we're sucking this in but we are absolutely and- And then there's the whole experience with money, right? So what has my experience been? So for example, the one that comes to mind is like when I went to college, I needed a computer. So I got a loan. Mm -hmm. I needed a car. So I got a loan. Right. 
that experience, something clicked in my unconscious mind that said, oh, when I need something, debt is how I pay. Yeah, so I, I get a loan. Yeah. Credit card for things. Right. Got right? it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody taught me how to do that. But that was just an unfolding of the mix of everything. Right. So, right. Um, so yeah. <laughs> how to, it's interesting how to um, correlate that, like how to think about, like, I don't even know my family seven generations back. I wish I did, but I don't. Um, but to think about how they were not just from an emotional state, but from a financial state and understanding that that finance connects back to emotional um, yeah. is really interesting. But you were saying that you were a CPA before you sort of discovered meditation and you um, got into sort of the spiritual side of things. How did you start down the, the finance path? And then how did, how did you discover meditation and, and what, what did that journey look like? Honestly, in high school, um, you're, you start thinking about what are you going to do in life, right? They start making you like, what's your next step? And right. What are you going to go to college or university for? And all of the, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. I had no clue. Okay. Uh, my dad always wanted to be an accountant. So I was like, oh, I'll take some accounting courses and see. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with numbers. I fell in love with the fact that it all balances. <laughs> like it was just ah, like, that's interesting though, because now you've got this spiritual and finance balance as well. So balance has always been leading you in your life. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And if you're into astrology, I'm a Libra. So like balance is like really, really important. Uh-huh. So I just fell in love with that. And then I was like, well, that's a logical step to take, right? It's yeah. Logical career. Sure. So yep. I went to college for two-year bookkeeping. Then mm-hmm. I worked in bookkeeping for a while. And then I went to university mm-hmm. and got a major in accounting. And then I went into my chartered accountancy from there. Got and it. then my career built from there. So then I went to university about mid-20s. So yep. if you fast forward to early 30s, I stepped back and went, I got everything on my happy list. I got ah, my designation. A list. Yeah. I'm right where <laughs> I am in my career. I've got the house. I've got the truck. I've got, you know, yeah. like everything. All the things. All the I'll things happy. Yeah, are in I'm place. married, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, but I was like, I am not happy. Oh, yeah. And this is how it unfolds. And this is the, the magic that exists in the world that I hope for everybody that listens mm-hmm. to this start seeing so my my grandmother calls me one day yeah and she's like you need to read this book and I was like okay and it was called the shack I forget the guy who wrote it the shack we can look that up <laughs> the shack by Paul Young Paul Young okay perfect Paul Young. William Paul Young yeah and she never recommends books so I was like okay and I took note of it right I took note of it then she asked me to take her shopping one day. Come shopping with me. I said, okay. Aww. We were in a big department store in a clothing section. And this book, one copy of this book was laying in uh, a display of clothes. Oh, it was like, hello, you're supposed to read me. <laughs> right. So yeah. I took it. I took yeah. it. Yeah. And I read it. I read it in like a week. Wow. <laughs> and it really connects with, um, it's a story about loss. Okay. So if anybody knows it, it's kind of a foreshadowing for what I was about to go through with, with Carter. 
Wow. Because I lost Carter at 34. So this would have been around 30, 31 years old, mm. this part of the story. Yeah. And, and it taught, it gave me a lens of what God could be, not wow. what I've been taught about what God is, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So it gave me a new lens of like, oh, this really resonates. And so from there, um, a friend gave me a card of someone who makes energy portraits at the market. So I had it for like nine months. Yeah. Or and there it was. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna look up this website, see what this is all about. Right. And this girl did Reiki. And oh. it jumped out at me. And Reiki, if if anybody doesn't know, is like an energy healing. So I was like, I'm curious. I want a session. So I went to her and I remember I was gonna throw up. Like the anxiety in me walking through her door was just like like I'm gonna be sick. Why? What was causing I I think it was just like the knowing of like when I get through the session, life is going to be different. And I don't know what that's oh, going wow. to be. Mm. And I don't know what the session's all about. Like energy healing, like and sure, what is sure. it? What is energy? Right? <laughs> like I was very logical at the time, like living from the neck up, right? Yeah. So she felt that when I walked in and she said, Okay, like your only job today is to breathe deeply mm. and slowly. That is it. I said, okay. And I committed to myself to do that. That you do that. Yeah. And then as I laid on that massage table and she did her thing, I anger would come up mm. and she would be like, just breathe deeply. You know, like she, she would sense it and she would tell me how to breathe. Yeah. And when I yeah. did it, it just kind of floated off. I was like, what the hell? The and then like grief would come up and it would happen. And sadness. Yeah. And by the end of it, I felt so much lighter. And I thought, it's that easy. Like, <laughs> yeah. how have I not been doing this my entire life? <laughs> what just happened to me? <laughs> and then on my way out, she goes, I'm starting a meditation class. Would you come? And I said, yes. yes. And then that was how I got into meditation. Wow. Wow. That is, it actually reminded me of, I was on a yoga retreat in Costa Rica and I, it was my first yin yoga class. And it was like, you know, you hold the poses for a really long time. And there was just one where it was a hip opener. And I felt like I was the only one. I couldn't stay in the pose. I was so angry and so emotional and so frustrated that I just popped up, pretended I was fixing my hair and went back down. And I asked the instructor after I was like, I could not, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I was so angry and she was smiling at me. I was like, what's wrong with you? And she was like, there was a lot of unprocessed anger and hurt in there that was coming out. And I just thought about it for a second. I was like, ah, yes, a lot of things have happened that I just didn't want to deal with, but it goes into your body and that energy stays there until you release it. Right. So that's what that kind of reminded me of. And I think that's an example of how it'll be different for everyone. So as, as our listeners are hearing your story, I hope they're relating it to how that could have appeared or does appear in their lives. Cause it is about what you said in the beginning about observing and listening and, and seeing and hearing and understanding all of these signs as they're coming about. Right. So. Right. And not from a logical sense. No, right? no. So you, don't, yeah. you don't need to figure out the story. You no. don't need to know all the details or the why or any of that. You do not need the logical sense Sorry. of it. Yes. What you need is to drop in the body and, and pay attention to like that, that um, 
unprocessed anger that surfaced, right? And yeah. then breathe through it until it yeah. dissipates. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But absolutely. you don't need to know where that anger came from. Nope. It's nope. there. Feel it. Let it go. <laughs> and that and then going back to the generational trauma, like you don't need to know your seven generation story nope. with money or grief it. or anything. It's stored in the body. Mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you process whatever comes up when it comes up like people say feel the feels or you know and that's <laughs> yeah. the whole magic of like being in the moment right mm-hmm. something's going to trigger what needs to move and as we move things that are heavier in the body then it makes room for the more light stuff and more joy to come in right, right. yeah you can't come in if you're if you're so blocked and full right it's I like love a backpack it rocks right <laughs> like you can't that you're carrying that you don't even know you're carrying because I, I love that you said you know what you don't need to know who seven generations of your family was back because it's in you anyway so that backpack you may not even know what those rocks look like or that you're carrying it but it's there right that's amazing and it's the same thing through your lens of money like you don't need to know your story right yeah yeah you need to just slow down enough to pay attention to your body's response to your money decision, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're about to make a purchase and you slow it down and you start paying attention to what's going through your body and the thoughts too, but make sure you bring that down too, then you're going to know, wait a minute, like I don't really either need this or this can wait or, you know, like, because urgency is is one of the biggest things I see in mm decisions is there's this underlining sense of urgency and really it comes from a sense of scarcity yes right yes yeah that fear it's a fear and scarcity act when you're rushing through something absolutely um I do want to uh touch base on a little bit on I we're flipping a little bit by going back to you mentioned you know your path for finance because as our listeners are hearing all of this, I'm sure a lot of people are starting to think about, okay, like, where's my life journey going to be? And we've said like, logic doesn't work, just feel it. So you had mentioned that you had started to have addiction problems in your early teens, but also in high school, you understood that you were going to go down a path of, in a career path in finance. How did, how did you bridge those two and get beyond the addiction to the following your career path and that career mindset? Um, honestly, I about a decade of the numbing, be it alcohol, drugs, whatever, <laughs> something switched that I replaced it with workaholism. I just worked too much. Okay. Yeah. Like it was just, honestly, I don't know what the, you know what? I do know the moment that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Was when I was, I think around 16, yeah. I was having quite a lot of suicidal thoughts, mm. right? Like if this yeah. is the way life's going to be, why am I here? I'm right. Out. Yeah. And I was actually journaling, um, how I was going to end my life. Mm. And I heard a whisper. So going back to the whispers, the whisper. right? Yeah. And sometimes the whisper does not make sense because this one did not. It said, go get the can of paint. I was like, what? Okay, uh. I'm going to go get a can of paint. And if people can't relate to whispers, they can relate to like maybe like a spark of inspiration to do something or go get something like sure. a little nudge, right? Yeah. So 
I, my dad always had paint around. He, he worked at a company that sold paint to commercial company, like okay. paint. Yeah. So I went and got the can of paint. And then the next whisper was like, I just automatically was putting like white handprints all over my bedroom wall. Mm -hmm. And with my finger wrote out the words imagine by John Lennon, like the chorus. Wow. And then I was on antidepressants at the time. And I know you're not supposed to do this. So if anybody's out there listening, (laughs) don't just stop your medication. But I did. I put it in a box and locked it and never took it again. It was the beginning of coming out of that addiction. Mm. It was the, oh, wait, there's something further than me that can support me. There's something bigger to this world, right? Right. Yeah. Did I, did I call that something bigger God at the time or universe, universe or source? Mm -hmm. No, I didn't have those terminologies then. It was just this instinct of, wait a minute, there's more to life. Maybe. Mm. I'll give it a chance and try to find it. And then yeah. I feel like I was more open to the breadcrumbs that were dropped to me, the mm. whispers, the little nudges. And then um, early 20s, I just dived into studies and working. And that turned out to be a different kind of numbing. because different. It was just- Yeah. I wasn't I was going to say healthier, but if you take it to an extreme, it's not healthy. So, um, just different, just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it was my journey out. Right. So it was my nudge out. It might not have been the most healthiest nudge out, but it wasn't nudging me further in to right. the road that I was on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just redirected you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Which And I mean, now, like I said in the intro, you are able to connect with your inner self and that energy. And you, I can tell you absolutely trust that everything's going to be okay, despite all of the challenges that you've faced in life. Um, And I think what I've sort of learned from all of this is the first step is just to listen, just to take that moment and to listen. And that's how you start to follow the very well put with the breadcrumbs. (laughs) Yes, And then we can all sort of get to that space where you are um, today, where you just trust that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. One breadcrumb at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I know it's not easy necessarily for people to talk about and hear. So I'm sure a lot of people were inspired by you having the courage to share all of that and, and the details of your story. So we thank you for that. Um, before we wrap up, are there any sort of final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners uh, before we go? What What's coming up right now is is an image of a tree. Oh, I love that. Trees right? are amazing. Yeah. 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 So if, if, we, if I were to give any tip on where to kind of get, begin breathing as well is deep belly, right? Mm, yeah. A lot of our breathing is too high up. And it doesn't give enough space. So mm-hmm. if if you could just breathe from your belly, yeah, in through the mouth more often in your day, then those whispers will be more clear, right? Because you're creating space when you breathe from that belly. It's like the base of the tree, right? And then mm. further down are your roots. So if you could breathe through the belly and down, then you're creating these solid roots in yourself. And making yourself solid like a tree and the wisdom will just 
come. It will appear in the small whispers and, and breadcrumbs that way. It it sounds so simple, but and, and, and it is, but it's just taking the courage to allow the subtlety to to appear and to follow that. Amazing. I automatically started belly breathing. Just I was like, okay, right. I wasn't breathing. <laughs> and that right? is a a beautiful image. I really believe trees are just these incredible beings um, out there in the world for us. And, and often when I'm on walks and things, I'll just stop and put my hand on one and just like take a moment. So I think that's an incredible image and an incredible way to explain how we, we can connect with our inner selves and live a more spiritual life. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.